Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. And so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week... We take a look at the January 13th, 2012 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. Uh, but before we get into that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is after hours, just a hobby for Mo and I. So while we do a lot of very careful fundamental research during the week, uh, we're doing none of that here. This is just uh, we're paging through Value Line and, uh, and, and having a good time here. Third, um, our interests may not be in line with yours, so do your own work. We may, in fact, be advising things that are in the opposite of your best interest. And then finally, uh, I've been uh, moderately drinking uh, tonight, so apologize for that. That might affect my judgment, probably for the better, though, I would think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, see all our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com. And... Uh, and you'll see five years of shows there, a best ideas list, pictures, links to uh, Mo's uh, childhood uh, graduation, elementary school graduation, our, right? Our YouTube video yeah. links. Okay, don't miss that. And, uh, and all that. But uh, uh, let's, just, uh, let's just leap into it. You know, we got, uh, we got listeners. We, we're a few days late with the show. You've got a barbecue that you're yeah. supposed to be in in 15 minutes? Well, my wife thinks I'm already on the road, actually, so... Thankfully, this is not a live broadcast, Ooh. but uh, running a, a little tardy. So, um, I don't know. Did you have any any comments? Uh, well, you saw, the gold, you saw the Golden Globes last night. No, but I, I read about them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm getting some tips for our speeches when we get the Golden Podcast Award yeah. from oh, Apple. Good. Yeah. That... I thought, you know, and I was wondering, like, I don't know, what do you even wear to these things? Do people still go black tie? So we probably do black tie. Yeah, mostly and hats. Got to wear hats. Yeah. Yeah, that's the key. Um, so, got some good tips there. I'll share those some Perfect. of those ideas that we can throw in our okay. speeches. Outstanding. Um, I have a serious question for you. Just a sure. curiosity. Yeah. We talked about costs, headphones. Costs, headphones. A couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And uh, I think when we looked at them, we had said you could buy the company for $9 a share, spend $66 million. Wow, what is that? Some work that you've done on this? No, it's a, what is it? The you're pulling that out of a drawer. It's a napkin. It's a perfectly square napkin, though. Well, you could buy you could buy the entire company for sixty six million dollars, which, if you borrowed most of it, yeah, at five percent, would cost you about three million a year to service the debt, and these guys throw off five million a year in cash flow. So I was wondering, hmm. yeah, where why aren't there more takeovers in this sector? You'd think that there would be. Well, I I would have a guess on that. It would just be that you you know you can't rely on those annuities. Things change fast, and if your name doesn't start with A, uh, the trend is going against you. In fact, I read yesterday that Apple's most recent quarter, their, I guess it's everything, but primarily their computers, are up 20%. Dell, uh, Acer, which I think are the two largest, HP, they're, they're all down 20%. So it's hard to pay an annuity when you, you know, and, and you know, we both commented on the lineup. It looked a little... A little dated. dated, yeah. No, 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 but you know, I was I was thinking about we come across some of these names where you think, 
good name, good franchise, cheap price, high cash flows, and, uh, you know, when we got out of school, remember 1982, Gibson greeting cards. That was when, um, yeah. remember it was Casper Weinberger. These guys paying $80 million for this company. Eight months later, they do an IPO for $290 million, and there were takeover guys all over the place. But that didn't eventually go broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this cost, I mean, the thing is, we're, we're just advising people to own stocks. So I think sure. in the costs, it's, it's worth thinking about because the family controls it. We both took a look at it. It needs a lot of work. So that's one where I you, was wondering if you put together a small cap portfolio yeah. of likely takeover candidates, what that would look like in two years. Well, you know, you'd, you'd want to have some uh, conviction that there were actually going to be people go in there and fix it because it looks like it needs fixing. Right. You know, I ended up buying. We recommended that stock, and then I ended up being in the market for headphones. I looked through their entire collection of headphones, and, and you know, I, I went a different way. I saw those, the new yeah. ones. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but, and then one last, one last point. Go take a look at GS Elevator. Gossip. GS Elevator. What would you think of that? you like that? Twitter? It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Quips heard in the Goldman Sachs Elevator. If uh, you're not used to these levels of um, arrogance, be careful. It can be overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty wild. Thankfully, we don't know any of those people. That would be uncomfortable. Uh, we, yeah, we probably don't. Right, well, anyway, let's, let's jump in. Uh, yep. We're going alphabetical this week. I have to say that I went through the entire list as pretty quickly because I'm, I'm running late. And um, I, it's drugs, pharmaceuticals. Honestly, I don't think this was my favorite issue this week. But there's a couple here that are interesting, and so hopefully we just kind of whet your appetite. Wouldn't you say, Mo? Something yep, like that. Yep, yep. First up. Impacts Laboratories, ticker IPXL. Don't have a page number, we're just going alphabetical. Now, normally, one of the first things that attracts my attention is PE, a relative multiple, but in this week's issue, there were so few things that had even, even had earnings that I was just attracted to the fact that it had a positive multiple. So I took a look. Uh, it's 24 times trailing earnings, so that's not great. They do have five bucks in cash on a $20 stock. They do have a sales growth rate that goes 270, 210, 350, 870, and then, uh, well, I see it's, it's down toward 500 again this year. So it's very volatile, but they are putting up between 25 and 50% returns on capital. And it looks like that they, uh, you know, they're selling basically bioequivalent pharmaceuticals, so generic pharmaceuticals. And if you look at the demographics, uh, you look at the fact that healthcare expenses are, you know, a little bit out of control. One of the problems with healthcare expenses, aside from the fact that there's no demand curve, just a supply curve, and we've talked about that in past shows, but pharmaceuticals are expensive, or so they say, but what's happening is the pharma companies aren't inventing new drugs at the same pace as people taking new drugs, and so the price per script is actually going down as people move toward generics. Generics are really now uh, a majority of the drugs sold, and that's continuing as a result of the lack of productivity of the pharmaceutical drug companies and their labs, but that's another episode as well. The point being that these generic companies are going to end up owning, you know, 70% of the pie, and, uh, and these guys are major players in that, and they're growing pretty quickly. That means they have uh, a built-out distribution uh, system. Usually that means they're going through some of the the big uh, drug distributors. It doesn't say that here. But I would say this is one that at this current valuation, 
uh, and the growth rate, you know, it's, it's worth a look. Um, I can't argue that it's a value. I have to admit I got near the bottom of the list, Mo, and it was, I, I only had two names. So this one I like just on the, the tie-in to the demographics and, uh, and the fact that they have no debt, five bucks in cash. That's, that's. Yeah, and the, and the thing I don't I'll throw in is that, uh, you know, the stock is, it's only been around for three years. It's gone from five to 25, where we're peaked out last spring. So the question is, is that great? And it's got to be a great story. Is that already built in into the stock? It's been in a trading range for a while, but I, I'd love to know what the story is. Here's a company that at least looks to be three years old and already they, they're, they control 102 generic drugs. I mean, you don't get that way in three years, do you? So there's a, a, there's a hell of a story here. The margins have gone from 6 to 27 yeah. to 47 yeah. in three years. So I want to know a little more what the story is. Is it, is it really a long-term story, or has most of it been baked into the stock at, at 25? Well, that's the thing. It, it very well. You know, to me, this is not a value stock on the current numbers. But again, it was just, you know, not my favorite episode. But what it does remind me of is what the cable stocks look like before they started generating cash flow. So they, they had built the fiber, it went past everyone's home, and then it was just, how many people do you think you're going to sign up? And if you got over a certain threshold, you knew they were going to really just generate a ton of cash. And that's how this kind of looks, in that you know the generic pharmaceutical industry is going to be there. It's being driven by the demographics of healthcare, aging population. Uh, you know people can't afford all the expensive uh, drugs under patent, so everything's moving toward off-patent, and that's what these guys do. And you can see from the fact their margins are going up so much that they've reached some type of uh, threshold where their incremental margin has got to be 70 80%. They've got their distribution set up, their factory set up, and so a little bit like the cable companies, you know, you had to look into the future um, and, and, and wonder about how many users they were going to have, and that's kind of what I'm willing to do on this one. They're probably a low-cost producer of generics. They're not inventing things. They're just waiting for things to come off patent, and they built out distribution, and so you kind of have to grow your way into that one. Yep, and there's a good story there, too. I mean, here's a company that in three years has got 918 employees that are selling generic drugs, so I'd, I'd love to know who are these guys that they can, uh, they can ramp something up that fast. Yeah. Um, of course, if they're giving generic drugs, that would be one way to get that big. But you, you have to check on that. Tough to hold those margins, yeah. though. Yeah. Right. That's true, too. All right. So that was Impact's Labs. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next up, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this one. Sixlicone? Skiclone? Maybe Cyclone. Cyclone. Yeah. All right. Uh, ticker. Tricky. S-C-L-N. Um, and I have a little note scribbled here, scribble, it says, uh, I'm sorry, it says four steaks. That's my shopping list for my wife. Barbecue. Wait a minute. Yeah, sorry. Uh, okay. What am I attracted to on this one? 12 times earnings. It's also in this pharma area. It's a drug company, according to Value Line. They have a bunch of drugs that, uh, help to treat cancer and other infectious diseases. And again, uh, you know, demographics, older people, sicker people. Uh, they have a couple of brands that seem to do pretty well. One is called Zatdaxin. It's in 30 countries. It treats hepatitis B virus and the hepatitis C cancers. It works as a vaccine in some areas. So that's their, their drug. And they have a couple of other things that are approved worldwide. Um, just like the company we just talked about, their sales have just been going up every year. 
They're small, 85 million last year, but they just broke into a, a profitability zone the last couple years, but they're putting up 27% operating margins. And it looks like this year uh, they're growing a little bit again. So it almost looks as if they have some type of drug that kind of works. It's being you know, spread around the world. It's gaining market share. And they've just popped up to 25% returns on capital and equity. There's no leverage. They have uh, about a buck a share in cash on a $4.33 stock price. Uh, market cap here is, uh, you know, it's small. It's it's 160 million, so you know it's not without risk. But it looks like they're on a nice trend of sales growth, plus the margins kicking in, um, and they're tied into some you know pretty meaningful trends. My guess is the distribution that they have is what's really helped them to grow, and they continue to build that out and will gain share. Um, and it's 12 times earnings. I didn't calculate the enterprise value to EBITDA here because uh, I don't have a calculator, but I'm just going to say it looks like it's probably around 8, which would be a 12%, 13% cash-on-cash return pre-tax. So. so Cyclone Pharmaceuticals, uh, and it's uh, headquartered in Foster City, California, so that's one you might want to you know, do some field research on during, well, you know, you during know, the winter. One of the things that, that I like, that, but oh, I've I got to tell you, I don't really know the sector very well, so I mean I like the fact that they say right here, Cyclone Pharmaceuticals is a profit-focused pharmaceutical company. Yeah, profit-focused. Uh, now, the competitors aren't. Uh, well, they must not be. Well, These guys have to stay. Great niche that. to be in. That is a great. You know, I, we, I, I think it's a, it's a good part of the business model. I like that. I've got to ask you, Zadanax. I mean, yeah. if you're sick, isn't that even harder to pronounce than it is for us? And we're healthy. Well, it's all in caps, you notice, too. I, so is it's it like do, it's who, being yelled do, do at they us. Have like, do they have a Martian decoder that names drugs? Well, some of these names are pretty wild, the Zanax, drug names. Yeah, a lot of X's and yeah, Z's. A lot of Z's. It's all that's left, man. What are you going to do? Yeah, but it looks like All it's, the S words are taken. But now. doesn't that look like a Star Wars vocabulary It does. Word? It looks like an alien race that you'd run into. The Klingons and the Zadaxons, you yeah. know, they would be So that's why I think of Cyclone Pharmaceuticals. Next. Well, what about the valuation? Look, look at that chart. That's got to look interesting to you, Yeah, it does. Mo. Look, it does look interesting. Come on. It's, look, it's one of these nice intersections between our disciplines. It's 12 times earnings, which is a value, plus a chart that looks halfway decent. decent. I mean, not in the last six months, admittedly. But uh, over the last couple of years, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm now, they don't pay a dividend or anything, and who knows if they're inventing anything new. Um, you know, it, again, some of these things, they go off patent, and then the stocks plummet. So you certainly you need to know the life of these patents in each country, which countries are they making the money in, yeah, because that's important. Each country has its own patent lives and all that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff you have to figure out on these pharma companies. You know, and it's honestly, it's 12 times earnings for a reason. And you have other players that aren't fundamentally based that can get involved in these pharma companies like lawyers. And in some cases, with the productivity of the you know, laboratories being down, I know that in some instances it makes more sense for a pharma company to hire a good patent attorney than a scientist because your ROI on that guy is higher. And so maybe somebody knows something when this thing's selling at 12 times earnings. Um, you know, you can't just go out and say, hey, that's a pretty strong-looking truck. I think they'll gain share. Sometimes in these, there's a lots of tricky legal that you got to understand before, you know, buying into an annuity. So that's all worth checking out, none of which we've done. Right. Especially me, because I just yeah. realized that there's all these numbers associated with that company. Oh, hmm. yeah. So, okay. 
So that didn't seem like our favorite either. So you got it. Uh, you got it. You, yeah, you I got saved, one more here. You saved the best for uh, last. Well, I don't know if it's the best. Again, well, wait, was, you, you got to love a company that has zero employees, nine percent plus dividend yield, and is rated above average by Value Line. Well, you got to. I mean, no union perfect, problem. It's the, <laughs> it's the perfect business model. <laughs> yes. If we there are no employees, owners. you just think of what your overhead is. It's just robots. Just robots Well, and it says software. right here they have zero. I mean, I, mean, I guess mm -hmm. Steve, We've had a couple Steve of Wilson companies. is a CEO. Maybe he makes this stuff. Well, he it's must just be, him. But he's, a, but he's not an employee. He's just a worker. I don't know. No, it has, well, look at this. It has, it has about zero. They're not sure exactly. It's roughly zero. It was one and a half, yeah. but they weren't really, yeah. Well, why wouldn't, if you were the value line analyst and wouldn't it you, said president Steve Wilson, I mean, wouldn't at least you think one. <laughs> one employee? That's but at any rate, it's a great business model. Uh, I'm going to vote for it on nothing more than that, 9% yield. Yeah, well, that's, okay, so it has the yield. Oof, you like that. It's that. got no labor problems because they have no employees. It's trading at 12 times earnings. you got to love that. And at this dividend, it appears that, uh, you know, they're not even paying out, they're paying about 60% of the earnings out. Um, and I got to believe Value Line's pretty conservative when they do their ratings. They're always covering themselves, and when they have a safety of average safety, you know yeah. I, I, that doesn't. Uh, you would think it would be a little scarier than that with this well, yield. Well, there's no debt. Right. There's eight bucks a share in cash, and so uh, looks like they have at least one forward year of the dividend sitting in cash. I don't know that that you know yield is sustainable. What these guys do is a terra nitrogen, so they make nitrogen the production and distribution of nitrogen fertilizer. And these prices for fertilizer and crops are all over the map. I mean, two years ago, corn was at the highest price it's ever been at. Now it's plummeting and people are concerned about, you know, having enough uh, money to buy, uh, you know, feed stock for next year, et cetera. So things are volatile out there. Um, and I think that, you know, the fertilizer is going to be volatile as well. But when you look back over their is history... Is that a pun? Why, volatile? Is that true? Oh, ha, ha. No, now the Homeland Security people are going to be, why did he say that, Jim? Okay. Uh, now, sales have been pretty stable, um, although, you know, they're, they're rocky, and they're no more higher than they were, only a tad higher than they were even six years ago. They're down from the peak in 08 when commodities went just absolutely crazy, and the value guys did play a few fertilizer guys back then. But uh, this one, you know, strikes me that it's a, a, a pretty good value here. It is going to be volatile. You get the yield at least for a couple of years. They don't, uh, you know, they don't pay out much more than earnings, so you're going to get a, a volatile dividend. They will raise it and lower it in conjunction with earnings. But they've got a great return on capital. It's been consistently super high for eight years, and when I mean that, it's been over 30% for eight years. It's 90% last year. It'll be maybe a little... Uh, higher than that this year. And I just think that, uh, you know, you have a yield and you have a stock that over time um, will probably not sell at, uh, it does normally sell at a discount, but it's kind of selling at the, what looks to me to be about, you know, maybe the a little over average in terms of the discount, and you do get that uh, yield for hopefully a few years here. So Terra Nitrogen, ticker TNH. Again, here's one more um, bit of math you can do. Uh, if you take a look down at the quarterly dividends paid, uh, you know, the dividend's about 14 bucks on a run rate basis. 
but it's really only been the last three years that they goosed those re they goose the uh, the dividends up. You know, it was a buck, two dollars, a buck forty, a buck thirty six. But in the second quarter of last year, it jumped almost five bucks, four to five bucks, bucks a quarter. So yeah. it's only been three quarters that they've been at this dividend run rate. Yeah. The question is, is that a permanent thing? I don't think so. All right. I mean, just look at the earnings running around. So uh, So if that's not a permanent thing, then that 9% dividend yield probably isn't as safe as you'd think. So it's still attractive. No, I don't think still it's attractive, safe. But I don't think it's safe. But if you go back over this whole page, the lowest the dividend ever was, well, let's not count that smallest one, but, you know, two bucks. Right. And so, uh, you know, two bucks, I guess if it goes back to that, it's uh, – it, it starts to be the yield you might earn at the bank. You know, that'd be yeah. 1%, 2%. And maybe you get a few years of this. I, I don't pretend to know what commodity prices are going to do. I'm assuming that um, with population growth uh, running faster than the growth in arable land, that, you know, without consistent growth in productivity, you're going to run into food problems. And so people are going to buy this stuff, you know, whatever the price is. And I, I think that gives you some anchor. Uh, or floor to the pricing, but who knows? In any year, it could be wildly up or down, you know. But uh, and the, and again, from a momentum point of view, not to but, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not the it, it's up recently, and so you might want to wait for a better price. It might be my point of view on that, but still, um, I'm sad to say it does it does look like for me uh, the more attractive name of the week. I'm going to have to go for this Terra Nitrogen as my favorite mo. Well, I'm going to go with it too, just because. Really? Yeah, two weeks in a row, just because you can ride with that dividend yield, and even if you do come back down a little bit, I'll see how long I can squeeze out some uh, some income from it. Yeah, I didn't. One hundred and seventy-two dollars a share. We could each buy one share. Well, um, maybe half a share. Yeah, I don't want to go crazy on yeah. that. But I, I, you know, I wasn't that enthusiastic this week, Mo. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the holiday doldrums. Yeah, jeez, you know. Midst of January, big snowstorms are coming. I guess next week. Let's not uh, let's not uh, give away our secret location. Oh, okay, right. But uh, yeah, I just this this week. Been, it's been warm here anyway. Just hint, hint. It has been. Do you know? I think we set a record. This is the longest that that the city has been snowless, snowless uh, since it started keeping records. Now you know the and. So many people are down on global warming. I tell you what. You feels, know who isn't? The Canadians. Feels great. Yeah. Yeah, think of all that arable land that's going to be created when the glaciers melt. Well, and then Terra Nitrogen. Yep. We have new, all new markets opening up in Canada. Right. Our friend of the north. And it's the fertilizer that's a big cause of CO2 buildup. So it's great. The more they sell, the worse yeah. things get. The <laughs> higher up the food chain moves. From, yeah. a, from a longitudinal standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm cool sorry day. to say I don't have any more ideas this week, Mo. I guess that's it. So, Well, we'll have a better yeah. week next week. Yeah, I hope so. So thanks for listening in, everybody. This has been the uh, January 13th, 2012 edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. See all our caveats, promos, uh, pictures of videos. ourselves. Yeah, other videos, et cetera, at www.thevalueguys.com. Thanks for listening in, everybody. See you next week.